following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome to another episode of Just On The Show, everybody. First and foremost. Where it almost got easier, and then it got not easier. We like to say it never gets easier. It's like a fun joke, right? We're like, look at us, we're Jets fans. We have bags over our heads. <laughs> but this game, Kevin, I was like, for the first time this year, seriously, the first time, I was legitimately sad. I really thought we had him. I really thought we had him this time. Uh, I know how dumb that sounds in hindsight. Should we go through the good things before we do the fourth and two conversation, or should we just... <laughs> to be honest with you, Kevin, I think we should just rip the Band-Aid off. Oh, God. Let's get it out of the way. There's a lot of positives to take away from the way that they played. I did not uh, leave the game sad, but I did leave it very angry, <laughs> as I am wont to do when Brady beats the Jets, which uh, I've seen yeah, a handful of times, it's safe to say, in my football watching career. Once or twice. But I did not throw anything or break anything, which is different than a couple other times where I have semi-broken a remote after a Patriots-Jets game. The key is to just not aim for the TV. So much like Zach Wilson, I, I'm showing maturity. That's that's the uh, that's the headline of today's just end the show episode. Yeah, I mean, you're listen. You're you're right. You're right. Um, there are a, a lot of things to be happy about in this game. I can't tell you how to feel, Seth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. I mean, if we can look at this through the eyes of a, the fans of a, a different football team, there was a lot of good to take away from this game, and on many levels, I'm very proud of this team. And the way that they competed out there today, when you consider the hand they were dealt. Zach Wilson had no Corey Davis and no Elijah Moore again. He had no Michael Carter for most of this game after he got injured early in the first quarter. And he was playing the Buccaneers defense with Jamal Dean and Sean Murphy bunting and all these like great secondary players. And he played his best game of the year. By far. I was shocked. I was stunned. I was filled with this feeling that I haven't felt before about this team this year. The throws that he was making, Kevin, he was hitting guys like Jeff Smith, just 20-yard darts right you know, where he could get it on the lunging grabs. He was hitting Berrios in, in these tight windows. The, these throws were incredible, incredible for any quarterback. I would be impressed with these throws if Tom did them. And this was Zach Wilson going out there and outplaying Tom Brady for like three and three quarter quarters. I mean, Tom was bad in this game. Tom was just missing dudes. He was throwing over their heads. And Zach looked awesome. I was like, is this the changing of the guard that I've been waiting for for 20 years? Is it here? We've always been the Zach Wilson stand cast, and that's not changing today, folks. Everything you said, I, I wanted to highlight a couple of them specifically. The throw over the middle to Yeboa, like with toward the end of the very end of the first quarter, that was the third and 10 that they converted. 
the just everything like the arm angle on that and the timing of that the window that he fit that in you're like where has this been in in that's the negative way to look at it but here it's here now there's something there's the screen uh that he threw to ty johnson in the third quarter where vita vea was like right in his face and just arced it that was beautiful and you mentioned barrios already he was finding barrios all over the place obviously some of those including the touchdown i think with with barrios if you look at that that was a nice pass by zach but barrios just had such a monster game and made made some great athletic plays out there but right after that that screen pass he hit Braxton Barrios over the middle in the third quarter that was a that was a that was an incredible play and just all over his uh his ability to scramble on everything the plays that work and like the plays that also didn't work yeah (laughs) you know but in a way where I think he only took one sack in this game I could be incorrect about that obviously you want to credit the O-line there too but a lot of it was really just his ability to to scramble because if you if you go back and watch all the passing attempts He's running for his life on many different occasions, and sometimes he's finding dudes, uh, and sometimes he's getting rid of the ball, but he isn't getting sacked, and isn't making panic plays and throwing interceptions, which are kind of the two things we've seen him do earlier on in the season, so... I'm going to stand by that. I I don't think we were wrong when we were coming out of like the Texans game and stuff with all these with all these problems. And I don't think we're wrong for uh, correcting it. We're 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 riding with the times, people. We're just whatever happens, happens. But yeah, what a, what a game by Zach. Yeah, we turned off the Zach Wilson bust alarm after the Jacksonville game after we <laughs> saw some flashes. We were like, the, the caveat to all of this is these are flashes against Jacksonville's defense. So it's like. How much and it's like he did play well in that game. It's like you can't take it away from him. But at the end of the day, it's the Jacksonville defense. After this game against the Bucks, I'm taking the alarm. I'm taking the the lamp and I'm put it in the closet till next <laughs> year. I'm not throwing it in the trash. Yeah. I might. I'm not breaking it. I might need it later. <laughs> the door's open to the closet, so you can access it. But right. It's not out. It's not like part. It's not in the living room. It's no longer illuminated, and it's no longer sitting out on the table. <laughs> You love to see it. You absolutely love to see it. We finally saw enough where I'm confident that this kid is a franchise quarterback. It's that even if he ultimately doesn't pan out, we knew it was in there somewhere. And I think with more reps and more practice, it looks like he's going to get there. I agree. And I think that so much of the improvement that he made in this game and over the past two games has been the ability to find guys in check down specifically to Ty Johnson in this game, who I think I slandered at some point on here for his inability to catch. And he had a, he had a good game, a good game, both both running in and catching it. So, yeah, I, that's the thing about watching Wilson is that, like you say, it, for any quarterback in the league, just good decision-making, and he was able to make athletic plays and get, and get out of get out of bad situations. And the only thing that I can say... Uh, there were a couple balls that should have been intercepted. There was the one, I want to say, at the very beginning of the third quarter that really could have been a pick six. <laughs> that was that was one step away. There's also, you know, so th- there's still going to be things, I think, in the future that there might be throws where we're we're going, well, how did he have this many picks? You always have to look at, well, there's a couple that are going to bounce either way or somebody's going to have a step either way. And just overall, I think it's safe to say for the Bucks in this game, there was just a lot not working. You mentioned Brady being kind of all over the map offensively, but I think defensively they were getting fooled by by uh, Booth LaFleur. And you looked at that touchdown and and just all over it felt like uh, Berrios was able to make plays. It seemed like he uh, Wilson was finding guys in tight windows, but also... There were dudes open, and and yeah, so it was a it was a pretty impressive game 
all the way through, I think, from the offensive game plan to uh, Wilson's performance. And like you said, with every, with all these people out, too, you know, I mean, it's not like he's, he's, they're playing at a full-strength team. Like, offensive linemen are out, and the receivers you mentioned, and Carter's out for most of the game, and he's playing great. So there's a lot of good things to say about this uh, this offensive performance, except one play. One play. <laughs> one play. Now I'm hearing that it was supposed to be a thing where he Barrios is an option. Did you did you hear this? And so yep. Zach basically chose to run it there. That's that's a tough break for Zach coming out of a great game. Yeah, I had read that as well. That the play call was really an option for Zach. It's you know if you see an opening, you can take it. Braxton's coming on the end around. If you don't see the opening, just give it to him. Let us use his speed to the edge. The way I the way it was communicated to me was was that. LaFleur gave Zach the option, which Salah was not aware of. Salah took all of the blame onto himself. I mean, that's what leaders do. That's what head coaches do, right? They they take the blame. Salah said the play was handed off to Braxton no matter what. That wasn't communicated properly to Zach, and that's my fault, he said. It's not LaFleur's fault. It's not Zach's fault. It's on me. Um, I think it's uh, – obviously, I think that's his coach just covering for him. I think it's on Zach. Because if he had the option and he saw the A-gap and he, as Zach said, I thought I could get two yards in the A-gap, uh, that's on him because that's just simply not true. There was yeah. no space. There was nowhere to go. That's a bad yeah. read on his part. It's the read of a rookie quarterback. You know, you give him, you have to cut him the slack that he's owed for being a rookie. But I think that's ultimately on him. And I, I don't think it's fair for Salah to blame himself on that play. Uh, although I think Zach's quote was interesting. He said, Obviously, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but he, Zach said essentially, you know, it was my call. I made the wrong call. I thought I could get it. You know, it goes both ways. If I hand that ball to Berrios and Berrios gets stuffed, people would be saying, well, why didn't you take it yourself and go if that was the option? It goes both ways. So his point was just that, like, listen, I thought I, I thought I saw it. I didn't see it. Yeah, I, that should be if that's an option play, like if on, in like a short yardage situation where they're saying, well, here's the option. You can either, you know, hand it to Barrios who's in motion or if you see that the on like a third and two, that's that's a pretty good play design. That seems like a good idea for fourth and two. That's just too many. I just I, I just don't like quarterback sneaks with that much to go. I just I don't know. I mean, it's true. One of those things, if he makes if he makes it somehow then it's a hero play, and then we're talking about this totally differently. But when you rewatch it, too, I mean, he could have actually taken a step back and just hit Barrios running to the other side of the field and probably picked it up. So it's just a very, unfortunately, classic Jets way to, like, ruin a like what could have been a great win and a great win over Brady, who we agreed we'll, we're only going to see, like, 150 more times. So Yeah. If you think this is the last time that the Jets played Tom Brady, you are a sap. <laughs> you don't understand the TV 12 system. No, this guy is going to play till he's 50. Are you out of your mind last <laughs> game against Tom Brady? What's that bet at? If there's plus odds on that at all, if you give me that at like even odds, I'll put my <laughs> life savings on that. This is not the last time we've seen Tom Brady. Are you kidding me? Jets bets. <laughs> and believe me, I, I would love to be wrong. I wish it were. I never want to see him again. Here's the thing I will say in defense of Salah, though. He's taking a lot of heat for not kicking the field goal in that situation. And I actually agreed with his call to go for it. And the logic I actually agreed with him on was thus, if you kick a field goal there, let's say it's a chip shot, Pinero hits it, it's a seven-point game, you have to kick the ball off to Tom, presumably from the 25-yard line, 
the Bucks' offense would have to go down the field, get the touchdown, and it would be up to them at that point if they wanted to go for two and go for the winner. Presumably, they would have played for overtime in that scenario, I think, if I had to guess. We've seen a lot of teams go for two. I don't think the Bucks go for two there. The odds that the Jets, A, stop the Buccaneers from their own 25 from getting the touchdown, ludicrous. They were never stopping them. And the odds that you're going to beat the Buccaneers in overtime, I don't love that. Maybe you beat them in overtime if you get the ball and you score the touchdown. Yeah. But, I mean, it's two yards. Your best chance to win the game is to say, fuck it, let's get two yards right now. And they were running on them throughout the game, even with, like, All Austin Walter and Todd Johnson. So it's not – yeah, I agree with you. I And also, not for nothing, they scored from, what, within the 10-yard line and got the two-point conversion. Like you said, whether or not they would have done that in a tie game, in a seven-point scenario, we don't know. Right. But, I mean, they scored from farther away down the field and got the two points, so you can't be like, well, it's <laughs> it's totally a lock that a field goal would have won the game. So I agree. I think you got to go for it. And it just feels like something about – there's just an inevitability with Brady, right? You're just like – you just know it's going to happen. So any chance you can get to win the game while he's sitting on the bench, you got to take. I agree with you. And that's a situation where, if you look back, the Bucks already were without timeouts. So they didn't even need the touchdown. If they get the first down, they can get the clock to a point yeah. where the Buccaneers really don't have any time left and then kick the field goal. I mean, if you want to, if they want to kick the field right. goal, go up by seven when there's you know 20 seconds left, they could have done that. I'm not against kicking a field goal. They didn't have any timeout. They didn't have any timeouts, right? Correct, when the, when the Jets when the, ran that play. Yeah. So, like I said, it, it, it's not even just about, hey, you got to keep the drive alive. You should have gone for a touchdown. No, no, no. It was just about the first down is all they needed. Obviously, you know, nobody's happy with the play call, myself included. That's an extremely based take. But the decision to go for it, I think he's taking too much heat on from Jets Twitter and from the internet in general. I agree with Salah. You get those two yards, you win that football game right there when you have the chance. That's your best shot. It's not trusting your defense, which obviously didn't work. It's not trying to beat this team in overtime. No, 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 no. Yeah. Fourth and two. It's just two. And the play call that they should have run is the play call that always works on fourth and two. If you watch any amount of football, you line up in the eye formation. You fake <laughs> the handoff to the running back. You roll Zach to his right. There you go. And it's an option. Zach can either pick it up with his legs on the bootleg or flip it to the tight end in the flat or the fullback flat who's always wide open. Yeah. Just do the play-action bootleg play, and it will get you two yards. Yeah. They have to respect yeah. the run. I agree. They have to bite on the fake. <laughs> They're stupid. They'd be stupid not to, the way the Jets were running the ball. Yeah. Give me Zach and, you know, Yeboah in the flat in open space, or Braxton, you know, coming across in the flat in open space, right? That play would have worked. Yeah, because, or, or something happens where, like, Yaboa drops it or something something terribly jetsy happens at least you go well it wasn't the play call, or it wasn't a bad play call it's just whoops here we right. go again with this but with this it's like oh god because when you first watch it you think that was the designed thing and then when you hear what actually happened it's like you're like ah that I don't know if that's better or worse that he, he it was his option to do it but yeah I have a theory that Michael LaFleur didn't know what the down and distance was and that the conversation in the aftermath coming from the team was just sort of to bury that narrative and defend him <laughs> because if you look at that play it's not like Zach's in the pistol and it's like oh it's an RPO like or or RO I guess run run option it's not like he's in the pistol he's under center yeah and he gets the ball to dive straight forward I'm and I'm, I'm thinking yeah. to myself I'm like did they think it was fourth and inches or fourth and one and not fourth and two they had to have 
That's I, the only <laughs> scenario where that play and makes did, any sense. And he did get one, I guess, right? He did right, get one. Right, he got one. Yeah. And it's like, did they not realize it was fourth and two and it's not sneakable range? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I was wondering I was wondering that, but is that like a verboten thing? Also, I had a really – this is a, you can cut this out if you want, Seth, if you're editing. <laughs> this is a really ridiculous thing. I know there's absolutely no way in the situation as it played out that on defense when Brady is driving down the field – you obviously, like, the only thing, of course, the Jets want at that point is for the clock to run out, right? So you keep everybody in bounds. You do everything you can. But I just wonder if sometimes there's maybe a tiny bit of a moment where it's like you can clearly see that the Jets defense had no idea what was going on on that last play. And I just, like, I know you, there's no way that you can call a timeout. So I'm not even saying you should do that because that would be, like, the dumbest thing ever to stop purposely stop the clock. But on the same token, like, you have Tom Brady going against, you know, like, Eli- like Elijah Riley, and that's kind of what happens. And it's like, I just, I'm not saying that it would have worked, but maybe just try to go for the downs there at the end because it just felt, almost felt inevitable. But again, it's one of those things. There's nothing you can do because you can't be like, oh, they should call a timeout because they shouldn't call a timeout by any real logic. But there's just something where you're like, yeah, I, I understand the idea that it's just, it's late in the game, it's Brady, and. They're running for their lives, but I'm like, God, if they could have just been like a little bit more set, I think that the inevitable wouldn't have happened. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, here we are. Yeah, Salah said something else interesting after the game. He said something like, obviously he's disappointed, but in his head, we won that game. And I was like, that's interesting, because I almost feel that way too. As much as this hurts, I'm like, yeah. we bested them. Like, we fucked it up at the end, but we bested them, and they fucking know it. And they like they have to deal with it. They should have lost to the Jets. There's no moral victories, but there were, in many ways, a lot of moral victories in this game. And I would have really loved to just, even just from a playoff seeding perspective, like, if if the Bucks don't get the number one seed in the NFC because of us, like, that's awesome. <laughs> we, we, we're actively limiting Brady's chances or odds to win another Super Bowl. That's fantastic. I was uh, I won $100 on this game. Because mathematically, my futures bet hit where the Jets can now mathematically not win six games. They have four wins with one game to go. And I was rooting for my team so hard. I was like, we're not going to beat the Bills next week anyway. Who gives a fuck if yeah. they win five? Like, let's go. And it hurt. Exactly. It's blood money. Exactly. It's the same, like, uh, uh, with the draft thing, too. Because really, the for the draft perspective, like... The last game was was the one that was that actually mattered because it was the Jaguars. At this point, I, I don't care. Like they should just like there's no like if you want to look at it like oh they lost and like that could have I don't know how that outcome is going to go. But oh, if you if you were rooting for them to lose to the Bucks for draft order reasons, go fuck yourself. We don't want you on the squad anymore. That was my thought too. I'm like not a, it, it doesn't that doesn't count against Brady. There's no there's no draft consideration. I rooted for the tank last year. I was legitimately upset that they beat the Rams and Browns for no reason. But beating Tom Brady and or Bill Belichick is never part of the tank equation. You always want to beat them. I don't feel the same animosity towards Buffalo, as you know. Yeah. Uh, I think a team in our own division has slowly become my second favorite team over the last decade or so. (laughs) But I really, in a lot of ways, am okay with Buffalo beating us next week so that they win the division and the Patriots don't. (laughs) Fuck the Patriots is always like mission number one, right? Yeah. We're the podcast talking about this game that's gone the longest without bringing up Antonio Brown. Congratulations to us. It's at whatever minute mark we've won that award, I think. I was so confused. I think I texted you during that part. I was like, did he just 
quit? Quit the team? He's got to be hurt, right? And then they kept showing that shot of, like, his empty shoulder pads on the Buccaneers sideline, which was just yeah. so hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. That was it's it's so funny to hear like a sideline reporter like they're like we actually need to cut to her like right now just to like literally explain what's going on. It's not like to tell us an anecdote about a player or something that the yeah. some cliche the coach said at halftime. It's like, hey, could you give us a quick explanation as to what the fuck is going on with Antonio Brown? <laughs> and I, by the way, I can't believe that. I, I guess I understand that it's not a penalty because there's probably guys who run to the locker room through the field if they're that far away in a normal injury circumstance. Yeah, injured people, yeah. Injured, right. But I was like, how is it? It's really not a penalty to rip off your jersey and run around the field and dance around and throw things into the crowd. Like, I thought that was, like, some kind of penalty. I think it is. I think they legitimately missed it. And they had, what's it, they had Pereira on, and he's like, well, he was far enough from the play. I'm like, so you can just do that, like, in the middle of a play? You can just run. (laughs) Pereira was like, well, if you throw the ball into the stands, it's a delay of game. It's like, okay, but you can throw anything else? Like, what? (laughs) The fact also they cut to it, and it was already, like, he was already almost off the field, and you were like, why is, because it was like, oh, there's a fan on the field. Wait, Antonio Brown's, what's happening? It was so strange. Every, Every part of it was strange. Yeah, it was such a bizarre moment because, like, on the one hand, you're like, oh, this guy's just leaving? Does that mean he's quitting? Yeah. But on the other hand, you're like, well, if he was quitting in anger, then why is he so jovial? Like, he's <laughs> he's waving to the crowd. He's he's pumping the crowd up. The Jets fans are cheering for reasons they do not understand why, just because they're being told yeah, to cheer. It was, like, such a weird moment. Like, he was he was happy about it. Like, he was bailing on his team. He was frustrated. But it was almost like in his Antonio Brown brain, he's like, oh, I'm free. I don't know. It was just a very surreal, uh, bizarre moment. And in all uh, sincerity, I think that Antonio Brown probably needs help. And I hope that he he gets that help. Yeah. I, I'm not going to say that Antonio Brown, sit here and say Antonio Brown's not a garbage person. I mean, anyone who gets a fake vaccine card is a garbage person. But I hope he gets help, and I, I'm glad to hear that Tom Brady uh, said as much in his post-game comments. He was like, hey, just, um, I know this is fucked, but, just, you know, try to have some empathy, right? Yeah, uh, who who honestly knows, yeah, what he was thinking or what what's going on in his mind at any time. But for a second, I was like, is he trying to, like, win over Jets fans? Like, he's going to be like... You can have me if you want. It's like, no, thanks, man. Sorry. But, yeah, look, I don't know. I mean, uh, who who knows who knows what's where this is going to go and all of that. But you hope if he's actually really struggling, he he, he gets help. But it was one of the strangest moments I've uh, I've ever seen in a football game before. So You'd make the joke that, like, well, I guess we'll see him on the Raiders next year, right? Like, they'll take him. But they already tried that. They already tried that. The Raiders <laughs> cut him. Like, he's got nowhere else to go. Yeah. He's got to be done, right? He's, yeah. That has to be the last time we've ever seen Antonio Brown. Let's take a break, and then I want to talk about next week's game against Buffalo. I don't know how much you caught of the Buffalo-Atlanta game last week. I know I was pretty locked in on Jets-Bucks myself. Yeah. But I think it was just one of those classic games where, like, Falcons going to Falcon. I yes, think that game, yeah. I don't know if they had the lead at any point. I know the game was close, right? I know the Bills fans were, like, sweating that out yes. until they weren't, and they ultimately won by two touchdowns because it's like, I mean, come on, what are the, what are the Falcons going to come through in a close game? Like, give, right. give me a fucking break, right? <laughs> Not to take anything away uh, from Buffalo, but them beating Atlanta does put them one win away from clinching this division. Obviously, they need the win because the Patriots really bullied 
Jacksonville. They didn't have to put up a 50-burger on them. That was kind of like a Bill Belichick dick move, whatever. The point is, Buffalo needs this game to make sure they clinch the division. The game's in Buffalo, and I don't see a scenario where we come out of this thing with an upset win. As well as we played against the Buccaneers, so you could even argue are a better defense and a better team than Buffalo, I don't see a scenario where we leave Buffalo with a W here. you got to think that Josh Allen and the boys are going to be jacked up for this one. It just has that feeling, that vibe going in where it's like, I'm not saying that they're going to roll over because I actually think that uh, it does seem like this team is like really fired up. And and whether that's all the coaching staff or just, you know, if it's Zach's leadership or whatever it is, it's uh, it's uh, it's been noticeable, honestly, all year, even in like some of the bad games. Like I feel like the defense makes a good play and they're just all hyped up. So I'm not saying uh, that they're going to necessarily roll over. And obviously it's a division game. Things can get weird. But if uh, if Buffalo, I think, comes out firing and really wants it, for lack of a less cliche sports sportscaster talking head thing, um, I I don't I don't think I see uh, yeah I don't think I see the Jets D holding up against Allen if he's if he's playing uh, like he did a couple of weeks ago. There's there's pretty much no way I see that working. But uh, offensively, we're I think we're pretty uh, up on the Jets, so maybe they can get some points. But I think defensively, this is going to be a real problem. Don't get cute and take the Jets with the points next week. Just, like, don't. I know, like, everyone's kind of high a little bit, even off this Bucks loss, but, like, don't fall for that. Just leave this game alone from a gambling perspective. Yeah. Last weeks in general are just rough with all the people. You don't know who's starting sometimes. and I mean, I know you're not going to stay away because you're a wild man, but... Uh... I've been on Jets, Jaguars. I belong in prison. <laughs> I should be doing a hard time at Folsom right now or something. <laughs> Breaking rocks. There is a little bit of good news for the Jets on the injury front and that it's possible that Elijah Moore suits up for this next game. So that'll give Zach a little extra weapon, right, to go against, you know, the top pass defense in the NFL. We actually are the Elijah Moore standcast. That we always have been. That we actually have been. (laughs) Which reminds me, in a game that did not have Elijah Moore or Jameson Crowder or Corey Davis, we still somehow did not see Denzel Mims. He played zero snaps in this game. The Jets went with Jeff Smith as their third receiver to Berrios and Cole over Denzel Mims. I'm not sure why they chose to do that. Salah gave sort of a non-answer. He said that there wasn't a scenario in the game where they could put Mims in or something like that. Of course, I'm paraphrasing, but basically like, you know, the game script didn't dictate a Mims appearance If the Jets aren't valuing him over Jeff Smith, it pretty much closes the book on Denzel Mims. I think that's true. Yeah. I don't think that they're putting Jeff Smith in there because they think he's, like, more talented. I think they're putting him in there because they just don't trust Mims at all. And we haven't seen anything all year that's led us to believe that he can be trusted. Yeah. There was a kind of that funny moment where Wilson, like we're saying, was good all day, but the one moment where Jeff Smith was out on the, I think it was Jeff Smith, he comes he comes around in motion, and Zach literally like grabbed him and was like, no, go back over there. So he went back over the other side, and then as the play starts, he starts in motion again, goes behind Zach, and Zach just straight misses him two yards away. I was like, okay, whatever that play was, we're going to work on that in practice, guys. <laughs> there was clearly some miscommunication there. And I think that's the only real hard miss, unless I'm missing somebody, on the Joe Douglas two-year draft class that we've got so far. I think he's had so many hits, and that's one of the reasons that this year 
I think isn't as much as a, a, you know going four and twelve, possibly four and thirteen. As much as you know, that's a down year. Th- this is a season that w- now that we've gotten to the end, I think is really filled with optimism. Now that we've seen who Zach can be, now that we've seen that we really do, in all likelihood, have a franchise quarterback on our hands. You know, it's Zach, it's Vera Tucker, it's Michael Carter, it's Elijah Moore, it's Michael Carter again. It's, it's you know, Brandon Eccles in the late rounds. I mean, like, the youth on this team is really, really good. There has never been a better draft class in recent years, at least, for pass rush, for edge rush. I hear that's, like, the big thing in this draft class is it's full of really good edge rushers. There's even, I think, a couple of dominant safeties that are coming out of college this year the Jets could really use. So this offseason, I'm really excited to go in with what are going to end up being two top eight picks. We've got an extra fourth rounder for Chris Herndon from the Vikings. That trade turned out to be genius. I read a stat today that Chris Herndon for the season has four catches for 40 yards. Wow. Um, so the fact that we were able to swindle the Vikings for a fourth round pick yeah. was pretty sweet. As much as I think we could use Herndon now, no offense to Kenny Yeboah, mm. um, I, I, you can't shit on that trade, certainly, in, in, in a trade that seemed odd at the time. But, yeah, I think this is a, a season as, you know, we're not done yet. We still got one more game to go. But as we sort of wind things down, I think this is going to be an off season really full of optimism for this team. I don't think they're as far away as people think. I agree. I, I, I couldn't agree more in a lot of ways. I mean, it's such a uh, funny thing because early on in the year there was optimism and then it hit a point and then it felt like there was no return. And then there was like the Mike White thing. And then it, so it's, it has been this roller coaster ride with Wilson, but with also the injuries and the young players. But the main things to me seemed like the that the shaping up into these offensive weapons and it seems like they're really well coached and i know that's tough coming off of this whole fourth and two thing and whatever but just as a long term thing it seems like they are they it does seem as we're heading toward the end of the year like they are heading in the right direction and in terms of the deficiencies particularly with the defense like you say there are options available and the draft positioning is pretty good and Douglas has been pretty good at trading, like you talked about. So it's nice to end this season on an optimistic note because I think after the Texans game, I think we thought that maybe we were like, let's uh, let's just never watch football again. And so it's uh, to 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 have this turnaround is uh, is very nice. I think that will just about wrap things up for us. Like we said, enjoy the last game of the season. Yeah, against the Bills next week, everybody. Grab some snacks. There's only a little bit of football left for us Jets fans, so let's soak it all in. It's all gambling from here on out, folks. <laughs> back to our usually scheduled programming. Yeah, enjoy gambling in the playoffs. We will be back next week to talk about the season finale. Kevin, take us out just on the show. Just in-